When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Hello, Talk Tuners. Unbelievably, we are episode 15. Welcome. And how are you doing, Stephanie? Oh my gosh, 15. Girl, we're doing it big. Hey, I'm doing okay today, Steph. Stephanie Pena here. Thank you guys for coming back. Excited about today's episode. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So what's up, Steph? What's going on? What's going on in your world? Yeah, we're really excited about this episode. And you know, I know we love, both you and I, love music documentaries so much. Check. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I'd say for me, it's like I love documentaries in general, and music documentaries are probably my favorite like subgenre of movies. Yeah. Um, just at all. It's like, oh, I can't get enough of them, and I've seen so many. And I was really happily surprised to recently come across the Depeche Mode documentary. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Ran across it on a on the uh, plane, of all places, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And this one's called Depeche Mode, uh, Spirits in the Forest. Okay. And it was awesome. And first of all, you go in thinking this is going to be this uh, straightforward concert documentary, but it's not, which was really okay. cool. Um, it focused on following the lives of six pretty hardcore Depeche Mode mm-hmm. fans from across the world. And these people also follow the band on tour okay. um, around the world. And wow. That's yeah, a lot of they, money. yeah, right. I know. I was like, oh man, like, this is hardcore. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, they followed these people, talked to them, did really extensive interviews like, oh, how did you come to your fandom? Yeah. And it was really about how these kind of turn point events in their lives, really kind of their life stories, like led them down the road to this Depeche Mode fandom. And it was a really interesting story arc. It was like, oh, led them to this fandom as kind of like a form of redemption or at least kind of escape. And it was very well made. And then also made me think that's probably that way for a lot of people who have what I call like intense fandoms. Uh, There's a lot of academic writing just about that fan culture. And I always love reading it because it's always so interesting. And it's kind of, you know, it takes me back to the fact when people say things like this band or that band saved my life. Like I believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe them because art can pull you out of dark places. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 
anyway, Depeche Mode's amazing. And the film made me realize like, oh man, I haven't seen this guy's in concert and I'd love to. But it also oh. just made me, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen them. Yeah. Girl. Okay. I know. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. On your list. <laughs> I know. And I feel like I've had a couple opportunities too, but I was like, oh man, I got like, I got to see them. Yeah. But yeah, maybe just go back to this thing I've long thought about, which is how that level of intense fandom, they all kind of have the same connective tissue and kind mm-hmm. of similar origin stories. Where there's like sort of the turning point in their lives that leads them down this road. But I know you have a lot of thoughts on fandoms and, you know, we're both fans making this podcast and sharing our stories, but right. yeah, get your thoughts. Yeah. So fandom. Yeah, absolutely. Depeche Mode has that. So I did get the chance to see them with Stabbing Westward. Isn't that a funny bill? Yeah. You had Stabbing, you had the guy from Stabbing Westward always bitching about a breakup and then you had Depeche Mode come out talking about love and happiness and shit. It was pretty funny. Um, it was a good night, but I mean, just these bands, these big iconic bands are going to have this crazy fandom, you know, and it, it, for me, fandom is because you feel welcomed. You feel like you're part of something bigger. And especially if you have that connection to music to where you feel like certain songs are speaking about your life are helping you through hard times or you associated with something fantastic in your life. I mean, I have all of that. So I totally get fandom. I think about fandom um, and I think about a friend of mine and I shit you not was stalking the Backstreet Boys. And she actually went as far as going to Orlando, like one of them lived in Orlando. And I mean, that that's fandom and that's all stalking. But anyway, just saying, just whatever. It is what it is. Special girl. So, um, you know, but just on like true fandom, you think about big bands, like for example, um, I just think right, right off the bat, Tool. Tool's a, one of the first progressive metal bands, big as hell. They're actually on a new tour. Well, you know, you're part of this legion of fans and you're actually given a title by the band called Tool Army. You're part of an army. You are part of them. Like this is, yeah. this is your calling. So then with that, it's really cool. When you join the fan clubs, you get the insights for the tickets and ticket yeah. sales and all that good stuff. So it kind of just goes hand in hand. Yeah. Bands like Kiss. Yeah. They got fandom. They got total big fandom. You know, people <laughs> who want to be still dressing up in platforms and shit all day, you know, and they want to be like Gene Simmons and have, you know, whatever. And then also I think about fandom and this is really off, but insane clown posse. I mean, yeah. the Juggalos, right? That's a perfect example of fandom and just how oh, folks yeah. just like say, hey, these people are part of my life. Um, you know, this is what we do. We think of bands of Slipknot, the Maggots. Oh, yeah. They could have come up with a better name than their for the <laughs> folks for the following. I'm a huge Slipknot fan. I don't consider myself a maggot. But <laughs> that's, you know, it's just really being a part of something bigger and better. And yeah, Depeche Mode, definitely. If you go to Depeche Mode show, you're going to see the folks, you know, it's part of that new wave era. You know, there's going to be a certain type of person, people that go there. Um, I mean, like my all black and red lipstick and, you know, eyeliner, just I look like the same lady, like two to two seats down. You know, <laughs> it's like, this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and this is who we are. And then so on today's topic, we're talking about a band that is all about the fandom. It is either you know them or you don't. They are a cult band. They are fun as hell. They're called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. And we are talking about their classic, The Days of Swine and Roses.
before we go into that, let's go ahead and give you some backstory on this really great band. And if you haven't heard of them again, I said that pretty fast. We're talking about <laughs> my life with the Thrill Kill Colt and yeah. the Days of Swine and Roses. So Steph, kick it off. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for this episode and it's very interesting backstory we have. And then of course we have our own stories and memories and we'll share with yes. you guys today. But picture it, you know, it's 1987 and uh, poet slash artist slash singer Frank Nardiello, who eventually became Groovy Man. That's right, Groovy Man. <laughs> and <groovy>. uh, <laughs> and musician uh, Marston Daly, who eventually in the... Um, the scope becomes Buzz McCoy. They're uh, they're neighbors, right? They're living in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, they're hanging out uh, late nights. They're loving to watch their horror movies down from the corner store back when video stores were a thing. Yes. Yeah, remember that? Blockbuster. And, uh, I worked at one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love video <laughs> stores. So these guys are like, how do we make our own like trashy B movie? Uh, mm -hmm. in style of Russ Meyer and John Waters. And they were like, okay. call it like my life at the Thrill Kill cult. Let's do it. Let's make this movie. You know, that state of pipe dream. So that film, okay, that film as it were, never came to fruition. But I uh, realized it's like, oh, they share this, they share this worldview. They're neighbors who share a worldview. Uh, mm -hmm. Like this B-movie type things and these like tabloids and just, you know, general, uh, general decadence. And general, like getting creative from boredom, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's where a lot of music comes from, right? It's just like you're you're bored, and you let those creative juices flow. And especially in '87, they weren't on Facebook all day, you know. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, so it, you know, they're <laughs> this. You had to do something with that energy, and yeah, throw kill, man, totally. They're they're. I mean, for folks who don't know, and I expect a lot of people who don't know who they yeah. are. Period. Yeah. Um, My Life at Throw Kill Cult, they are what was called like an industrial band. Um, so they use a lot of synthesizers, keyboards, heavy drums, but dance beats. Yeah. And um, and they talk about, you know, um, they, they talk about just a lot of sleazy, honestly, sexual music. It's sexual yeah. music. Ain't gonna, there's no hiding it. So, um, yeah, that's cool. There were neighbors. What? <laughs> Like, okay, right? universe, we just put really tool two ultra creatives together. That's, that's right? awesome. That's awesome. But yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they've been around for a minute and, and stuff, you have more uh, info on them. So please share. Yeah. So it's like, they have their little superhero origin story as it were, them two getting together. As you say, the uh, universe sometimes brings the, brings the creatives together. Um, mm -hmm. And over the years, they had this kind of cast of characters uh, revolving a little bit as many bands do. I got folks that are coming in and out and, you know, to your point, they're using samples, they're using instrumentation. They got these crazy stage shows and that's how they're, that's where they kind of know, I say it all the time, but that's where they know their bread is buttered. Um, For sure. Because they're like, yeah, we're going to give you like a crazy sensory overload show. And to your point, Stephanie, it's like, they know it's like, we're going to build fandom from that place. People can maybe first time seeing us, maybe they're not familiar with our studio stuff. We can use this as our calling card, go forward and be like, oh, we gained some fans for our albums after maybe being dragged to a show, maybe like walking across, going to a show that was around the corner. But it's like yeah. they knew how to work that visual. They knew how to work the visual. So visual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, Throw Kill is just definitely one of those bands if you see live. You're it, it's kind of like a goth rave. That's what I'll say. Yeah, because yeah. it's dance music. So I mean, hear this clip. You're gonna please guys go research this band and check it out for yourself. I and mean, we're gonna talk more about it. But it's real. It's fun music. It's it's just a lot of fun. You cannot if you're not dancing to Throw Kill. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> like for real. It's just it's good stuff. So so stuff. They were on Wax Track Records. That's awesome because yeah. that there's also some really good uh, bands talk about Phantom again. You know mm-hmm. the artist on that label seems like they were yeah. with some really uh, good company there. Yeah, so they end up getting the attention of Wax Tracks, which is a pretty legendary label um, who also released classics from KMFDM, Meet Beat Manifesto, and then just a couple side projects from uh, members of Ministry, Al Jorgensen, Paul Baker, and then uh, Minor Threat. Uh, in the cave. Nice. So definitely somebody on Wax Tracks having this ear, wanting to attract certain types of listeners and really knowing mm-hmm. uh, how to how to cultivate that base, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting too, right? Because it's, you listen to it and they probably, you know, I'm not going to put words in their mouth, but I'd say like they defy labels in a lot of ways yeah. if you listen to these guys. But uh, part of that springs from industrial an industrial sound at the time. I, you know, I listened to like the clip we played and anyone who's listening to that and is coming to them for the first time, uh, Mm -hmm. you can tell like, for example, uh, like Nine Inch Nails right around the era of Broken, like borrowed a lot from them. And you look at like the years and it's like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. And I don't think Trent would deny something like that. but, Mm -hmm. uh, But you realize like, yeah, there's a certain um, sisterhood, brotherhood of uh, the sound borrowing from each other to make something mm-hmm. greater, snowball, uh, snowball things, and really just make this art, right? Yeah, I mean, Nine Inch Nails, I mean, that that is a household name. So folks on the line probably know exactly what we're talking about, Nine Inch Nails. That's industrial music, y'all. So, um, but, you know, Trent Mastermind has, um, of course, put in his own just pure rock and roll influences, whatnot, is made this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, sound that you hear on the radio. And I know everyone at least knows Closer <laughs> or right. knows, you know, uh, something for Pretty Hate Machine, you know. Um, so, but yeah, but it's bands like My Life with Throw Kill Cult that gave artists like Trent Reznor um, some influence because you can definitely hear, it's the dance. You can dance to Nine Inch Nails. You can dance to Throw Kill Cult. I can't just keep stressing that enough. And honestly, I do consider it more like a rave, which is when you go to our live shows, you know, as we're, you know, we keep talking about, which we're going to talk about a live show that we encountered and it is literally just a big party. I remember the first time hearing Thrill Kill Cult, I was actually, sorry, mom, sorry, dad. I was having um, tequila shots with my girlfriends in a living room and it was a stormy night. I mean, how perfect, right? Cause they're a little gothy, a stormy night. And we're just dancing <laughs> around to this funky music. Never heard it before, but I felt so cool. I was like, so enlightened. I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? I don't know, but I feel liberated. And it might've been a tequila, but you know, whatever, neither here nor there. They've stuck with me. Um, and yeah, so Steph, like, you know, what about you? When was the first time you heard this band? Yeah, you know, I just, I think about them and their really intense fandom communities, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. they got this bit of a cult following, um, but it's really strong ones. My uh, longtime friend, Jen, big fan of theirs, shout out uh, Jen Bess if you're listening. 
um, and I think was maybe the first person to introduce me to them. And I was like, oh man, these guys are really cool. Like was playing me on some of their music. And I was like, uh, these are really cool guys. Yeah, absolutely. And so the first song that I heard of them was Days of Swine and Roses. And I believe that's the first song you heard of them as well. Yeah, that was definitely it. That was definitely it. And that was, uh, I feel like that's probably a lot of people's entry point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I heard them at the clubs when I started going to the goth clubs, started going to new wave clubs. Definitely was a staple you hear uh, at the night. They were the centerpiece. Exactly. They were the you brought everybody up to the dance floor because everyone's ready to go. And so, you know, Days of Swine and Roses, guys, it's off Confessions of a Knife. That is actually My Life with the Thrill Kill Colts second album came out in 1990. Um, and the particular song, Days of Swine and Roses, it's actually Stephanie reach, uh, just you know, briefly mentioned how they were influenced by John Waters. So folks that do not know who John Waters is, he is a director. He's a movie producer. He makes fantastic films that are very cult, um, very edgy, um, hilarious. I, I think of the one from the 90s with Christina Ritchie and Ever Furlong Pecker. Hilarious. Um, but he has been doing this stuff for a long time. And actually the band got the name for the song um, off of John Waters' film, Female Trouble. Female Trouble was out in 1974. And that um, was one of the many movies that he partnered with, with the drag queen Divine. And this is a dark comedy. And it's about Divine who gives birth to an obnoxious child. And then she goes on some really crazy rampage. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's like literally always over the top. That's John Waters. And my life with the Droco cult is over the top. And so there are actual, um, in the beginning of the song, they're talking about a pig and that is actually taken from the movie. So there's little inserts as well. They'll throw little movie lines and like, even like current day, um, artists like Rob Zombie will throw little inserts of from, you know, from horror movies or shows and stuff like that. Just little one-liners in there. Um, there's other songs uh, that My Life does that with. It's really cool. And I remember when we were living in Brooklyn, we had the opportunity to see them live. And this was great. And uh, I'll let Stephanie introduce this wonderful time. <laughs> love those facts like my god I forget that John Waters is like so ingrained in there he is he is yes and divine divine y'all if if you don't know who divine is just by saying the name if you look up John Waters and divine you have seen her you have totally seen her like she's she's super famous really his muse too Mm -hmm. and yeah like just fascinating to listen to and to be able to go see them, of course, they're like, oh, man, like we got this, we got this opportunity. So, of course, we got our, uh, we got our personal little memory there. And I love looking back on it when we were able to go see them in uh, Club Europa, which is in uh, Greenpoint back in 2008. And for folks who may or may not know what Greenpoint is, that's a neighborhood <laughs> in Brooklyn. It's like, a, there's, a, there's a better way to describe it probably, but I would say a Polish uh, centered slash hipster neighborhood. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's somebody good. who encompasses both identities. I don't even know. But um, like intersection of both together, like a traditionally Polish neighborhood and then like hipsters mm-hmm. off in And you can imagine like there's a lot of good food in the area, of course, and you end up getting your pierogies along with your punk rock shows when you're in Greenpoint. So that was kind of amazing. So we go to, we go, to go see them. <laughs> Like, what a pair. Yeah, right? Like, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> great. A and I saw my life at the Thrill Kill Cold. Yeah. All I was right. like, oh, night. 
were ready, right? Like we were like, mm, like we're gonna go, we're gonna get club Europa. Um, and then I was remembering like we ate and was in one of, I think my favorite Greenpoint restaurants beforehand. It's a great Polish restaurant. They did have great pierogies. And then they had like a wishing well in the middle of it. Somebody will know the name of this place. But it was like, yeah, of course. Like, of course, we're here with this. So I remember it was great to start the evening off with like juxtaposition, like very authentic and excellent pierogies, drop a wish in the wishing well, heading to a very over-the-top rack show. Yes. Down at Club Europa. Yes, Club Europa. So guys, this club, when we went in, it was dark. Like, okay, so again, My Laughter Cocult is a fun band, but they're definitely on a dark side. So it was like literally pitch black. It was like black lights. Um, even the stage itself, it had like red dim lighting. Um, and so the, the band was there. And yes, they're about the presence. They have they have a they have a big band and they have backup singers. I mean, they they do a show. It's kind of like a doo-wop. I mean, sometimes you're like, what is this? Like, what is going on? Um, and you know, and they're you know dancing around or whatever. So really big stage presence, but you club Europa's small. So just imagine seeing all of this energy in a really tight space. Um, That's exactly what Club Europa was. And I honestly remember being there, Stephanie, and being like, man, I don't really want to move around because I'm like, it's so dark and I'm so mesmerized by and hypnotized by this music that I think I'm just going to like hit somebody or trip over something. Um, Yeah, you're under their spell. And, um, you know, I, I had a a blast definitely off the beaten path it's just like legitimately you have backup singers you got dancers you got you know then you got your drums you got your keyboard i mean there is a lot of shit that goes into my life to throw go cold it is a production and just just them up there playing you don't need anything else you're just like whoa this is happening a lot of a lot of energy tons of energy so much energy and yeah to your point it's like this is a such an intimate venue to be walking in I think, uh, you know, it's, as you guys can imagine, talk tuners, it's like, this is a club. So, you know, on days that are not having a show, it's like, yeah, we're just gonna, you know, hang out and dance. It's a dance club. Um, so mm-hmm. intimate venue, off the beaten path shows like this. Um, I also have seen a number of shows there over the years, including um, Fucked Up, who puts on, if you're familiar, good God, a great show and talk mm-hmm. about filling that intimate venue with like, probably lost some hearing after that one too but oh yeah you did mm-hmm. great show <laughs> they were so <laughs> good um and they were so good and i uh, i loved that but um but anyway i digress a little bit um but uh it was this amazing show to see with thrill kill cult um even though we're sitting there in the dark um trying yeah to, uh, it was bizarre it was just bizarre yeah it wasn't like oh a strategically lit area like most shows it was like oh do i see my feet down on the ground so there was like kind of watch yourself in this tiny little place um but it Mm -hmm. was yeah crazy energetic show and then i was looking some clips up uh, of the show uh saw a couple refresh my memory i was like yeah this is exactly how i remember it and then i even uh found a blog that ranked it was ranking um thrill co cults live shows over the years it was like a deep yeah call it a deep cuts fandom uh, <laughs> blog. <laughs> and um, and they had said too, they were like, I oh, we're ranking the shows. And they were like, this was this 2008 show at Club Europa. There's like, this is actually one of their best ever. So it was like, man, our, you know, our memories like holds true. Like this was a multimedia, crazy ass big show. 
big show. Yes. Maybe the people on the stage, maybe there was like they brought in more on stage and there were off just because it's a small venue. Yeah, like seriously, I'm surprised they weren't tripping over each other. I mean, and like, guys, this was not even the concert norm, right? Because my norm was like, hey, let me grab a beverage, whatever I'm drinking, a seltzer, a vodka seltzer. It don't fucking matter, a beer. And let me let me do this. But no, it was literally like we walked in and we're like, okay, we found our spot. Now we're going to watch this magic. Like there was nothing else. I was like, I remember walking out of there just dehydrated because I was dancing so much in my own little circle. Um, you know, it was, yeah, it was so fucking cool. It was definitely one of the coolest shows I have been to. And I'm actually lucky enough to have seen them before. And so guys, awesome. let me bring it in. So this may actually resonate with some folks. Those folks that know the 1994 classic, The Crow, mm, the band it. that's in the, um, that's in the club that they show for like a minute or so. That's my life with the Thrill Kill Cold. They're singing After the Flesh. That you guys know who this band is if you watch that movie, because I know The Crow is definitely has another cult following, but it also crossed over to mainstream because it's that good. So, but yes, my life with the Thrill Kill Cold is actually in The Crow. And so I actually saw them for the first time at Elysium, which used to be Atomic Cafe, which is still around today. It's Elysium in Austin, Texas. And it was like, okay, they're coming. I'm like, holy shit, I'm there. Another tiny venue where you see these guys just bring this crazy ass show. And I remember that they were being so bad it. It was a Sunday. I was like, man, I got to go to class the next day. These fools didn't come on until like 1130. And I was like, <laughs> man, tomorrow's going to suck. But guess what? It was the best shit ever. I mean, mm -hmm. you have folks from all different walks of life. Um, you know, I know I went out and had, of course, uh, I was wearing velvet something because, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. why not? You know, I mean, we had the velvet pants, Stephanie. It was all about the velvet in college. Sure did. Um, I think I had a hat, like a little top hat as well. And just, you know, just be, just be yourself and be whatever, man, whatever you're feeling. It's such good energy, such good vibes. And um, I'm a crow fanatic. And so that was the first time I've ever seen them. I do have, I do know of talking about like legendary shows. I have friends who are older than me um, who were able to go see them in San Antonio at the Cameo, which is a, which is a historical club here, still around tiny as hell. So like, again, like these dudes bringing on some major shit in some tight closed venue that does speak volumes and that shows more of the cult, right? Because you think big, larger than bands, you're going to go see them in amphitheaters. You're going to go see them in stadiums. Hell no. You're going to see my throw coat cult and be blown away in a small, tiny venue. And you're going to feel it. Absolutely feel it. This band is so much fun, y'all. So much fun. I mean, there are other tracks, um, you know, uh, cooler than Jesus, sex on wheels. I mean, my God, there's just a whole bunch of shit that they do. And it's so much fun. You hear piano again, you'll hear keyboard, you'll hear drums. It's literally, it's an experience in its own. If you ever see them live, it's okay. Watch the crow, watch that little clip and then put on confessions of a knife or whatever other album you want. Cause it's yeah. going to be an experience. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've said this in another show, actually, what I'm about to say, uh, crow is probably like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Oh yeah, and absolutely. I feel like it's almost like generational. Folks even a younger than us like might not know how good it is. Well, I suggest you go to Spotify and listen to it because it's so good. It's so good. Absolutely. Uh, Dead Souls on there. Um, another classic that kind of fits right into the theme. But um, but yeah, I feel like, hey guys, if you haven't listened to that, that's my recommendation for the day.
Yeah, I think we need to dust off that CD. I still have it. <laughs> oh, CDs. So great. Oh, CDs. Back, back, back. Well, no, this has been a fun episode, man. Um, I hope that we've enlightened some of you guys and introduced you to a whole new band and a whole new experience because honestly, um, I think I can't even think of a more perfect band to listen to right now as we're all coming out of this pandemic or trying to, right? Slowly listen to something fun, dance around your living room. You know, just do you. So I highly recommend it. And I want to hear what you guys have to say for sure. Yeah. We, as usual, really want to hear what you guys have to say. Please do reach out. We love hearing from you. And it's always just makes us so happy. Like, oh, man, put this out there. Like, people are listening. Um, So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Big thank you to listeners. And do feel free to keep sharing it. We really love that. And we notice word of mouth is big for us. Uh, Feel free to keep sharing it. If you feel inclined to do a review on Apple Podcast, that's awesome. We would definitely appreciate that. We are, as always, very happy to be part of the Pantheon Network. And I personally, as a music nerd, like go and listen to a lot of these um, podcasts on our network. Um, mm-hmm. My current favorite, don't know if you've heard it yet, Stephanie, but my current favorite is the Story Song Podcast on Pantheon. Really funny. Definitely check those guys out. Just my little recommendation of the week. Yeah, great. Awesome. I'll definitely have to do that. So folks, definitely check out our brothers and sisters on the Pantheon Network. You will not be sorry. You'll definitely fall in love and fall in love with the old music you haven't listened to in a minute and maybe even discover something new like I hope we did today. Um, Reach out to us on the socials. Thank you for all the love. I got to go get my dancing shoes on. I'm out. Bye. Bye, guys. Remember, you can reach us any of the socials at Stephanie's Talk Tunes on IG, Facebook, TikTok. Then it's just Stephanie's Talk on Twitter. But you can find us. We're there. Love you guys. Peace out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.